The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Good morning all. It's good to be, good to be with you. My name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here um, at King's. Um, youth, I think, I think that says what it does on the tin, doesn't it? Youth are going out now, so uh, if you are in a youth sort of age, uh, head out now and be massively blessed um, as you go out. I know you're going to have um, an absolutely uh, brilliant time. I can't remember if I did this before. It's getting, it's getting old is the problem for me. Um, my name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here um, at King's. I'm going to be preaching uh, this morning, and we're going to be continuing our preach series through Mark. Jesus is, and uh, we're going to be looking at Jesus is the welcomer um, this morning. But before we do that, I just wanted to uh, give you a bit of information about the gift day that we are having today. You'll notice boxes on my left and on my right, um, uh, on the tables at the front there. And at the end of the meeting, we're going to give you the opportunity to come up and uh, give your gifts, give your offering to, uh, to uh, the gift day. This, this particular gift day is all going to be given away. So it's all going to overseas mission. We're going to be giving to situations away from ourselves. The first area we want to give to is new ground and church planting. Um, they focus a lot into Europe, mainland Europe. So whether it's Berlin or Rotterdam or Brussels, some of the money that you give this morning is going to go towards that. It's a little bit like when we planted Bex Hill, we here in Hastings supported them doing it. They couldn't afford to do it on their own. They were just getting up and running. Well, if you're in Berlin, there's no, no churches near, in a sense, that can support you. So we are sending money overseas in order to play a little part in what is going on there. The second thing that we're giving towards is Alid and Lou, um, who've gone to the Philippines. We made a commitment to support them on a monthly basis for a number of years. And again, in a sense, if we don't support them, they couldn't go. There isn't, there isn't any way they can support themselves out there financially. And so we get to partner with them. Most of them, most of us will never go to the Philippines. I mean, some of you might. But most of us won't, but we can make a real difference as we give our finance, and some of that will go to supporting them. Another area, the third area that the gift day is going towards is in the whole area of the land um, that the church in Davao, Philippines, um, has started to buy. Um, again, on their own and with their own resources, they wouldn't be able to afford to do it, but we can play a bit of a part in it in the money that we give. And, and I guess in many ways, the money that we give here is multiplied when you get out there. And I'm, I'm excited because I know Alwood and Rosie. I know they, they lead the church out in Devout. They are a people of faith. They, they are a people of the gospel. They are a people who love Jesus. And they are seeing, only in little ways, in a, with a few people, but they are seeing wonderful things taking place. And as they are able to plant on this land, I believe it will multiply what God is able to do through them. And so I want to encourage you to give generously. And then the last area, the fourth area, and, and, and none of us can have escaped this, some of the money is going to go towards um, supporting the churches that we are in relationship with in Ukraine. I'm sure many of you will have already given financially to support what's going on out there, and I, I want to commend you for it. 
But this is slightly different in the fact that we're giving to those that although I don't know them personally as a church group, we know them really, really well. And, and they are in incredibly difficult situations out in Ukraine at the moment. And so money we give there will go towards supporting those churches and the people in them, but it will also enable them to go beyond their own church boundaries and, and, and support those in their local community. They need, they need, Ukraine needs Jesus more now than ever. And this is just an opportunity for us to stand with them. We've done it in prayer. You've probably done it in giving financially anyway. But this is an opportunity for us to stand with the churches there. We're just going to show a three-minute video. It came in a couple of weeks ago. um, And it's about Alan Lu and what's going on in the Philippines. Um, If we could play that, that would be absolutely great. It's so great to be able to update you and how we're doing. We've been here for eight weeks now and we're starting to find our feet slowly. Uh, We've established homeschooling and it's so great to be able to do more on some days where we're really uh, able to and other days where their children are finding it harder to just take it at a slower pace and that's okay. The flexibility is so great. We've been able to start uh, involving the children in like taking them to the land and as we've gone down to level one now, hooray, it means that they can be involved so much more. I think the Buhi Kids uh, group on the streets is going to start back up as, as so many other things are and the children can be involved in that which is so great. Um, Alan and I are doing well. Uh, we are up and down um, as, as expected. There's so much difference to get used to, but we are really trusting in the Lord and he's led us so faithfully with so much peace. Uh, if you just cover the kids as well with your prayers, just that they will continue to uh, rely on him for everything they need. Uh, they are still very much missing the UK, friends, family, church, as are we, uh, but as God carries them, we know that we will continue to just set our eyes on him and we are so excited to get so much more involved with all that's going on here. Uh, thank you so much for your prayers and support and messages. They mean so much to us. Uh, we miss you very much. God bless until we speak next time. Well, it's been absolutely amazing over these last few weeks to be able to meet with uh, some of the team that has already been established around Aldon and Rosie. And obviously that was kind of a missional team uh, with business links, but this is now very much becoming part of a church plant team. Uh, they've already got a church service running in Barpa in Agdal uh, every Sunday. I was there on Sunday. Great to see uh, maybe 36, 37 people there worshipping Jesus on Sunday, including guests, which was amazing. So we know that the church is the people of God, but actually buildings are really helpful. So we're renting this space in Barpa at the moment. But actually, there's this piece of land that we've already started to purchase. We've laid the deposit down. We've secured it. We've got people living there at the moment uh, in a place called Talungdan, which is just outside of the city. And it's about a 20-minute drive from here where we are living. And it's just a great space uh, to be able to build and develop community in an area, a district of, of Davao City, which is really in dire need of the gospel. Uh, we know that all the surrounding lots around where we've purchased is already been sold off for residential 
residential lot. Uh, so there's going to be thousands of people building and developing their homes in the coming years just while we are developing and building community there. So it's a great prospect, it's a great opportunity for us. We feel that God's put it before us and we would really love you to join us in prayer as we just ask God to provide everything we need as we go on into the future with this particular community of Tilangdam. So yeah, great to see you guys. Uh, we'll send some prayer points that you guys can uh, pop maybe on a PowerPoint. Do join us in prayer. We know that God is all powerful. We know that he hears our prayers and we really want him to provide for us all the things that we need in order to see his name glorified in these areas of Davao City. God bless you guys. See you soon. Brilliant. Sometimes it's good, isn't it, just to see with our own eyes and hear, hear with our own ears something of what's going on um, in the Philippines. So... On to, on to the preach this morning. We're continuing our preach series. We're going to be looking at Jesus is the welcomer. And we're going to look at two particular um, stories, and we're going to hold them in tension. Sometimes it's good to hold the Bible in tension because it, it gives us the overall picture or view of Jesus. Sometimes we can just focus on one thing. And, and although it's true that there is other things we need to know as well. And if I'm honest, I reckon about halfway through, about two-thirds of the way through my preach, you'll be sat there thinking, Paul, this is nothing to do with Jesus being a welcomer. You've, you've got us here under false pretenses, but, but do bear with me um, until the end. So if you've got Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 13. Um, the words will come up on the screen, and we're going to read this together. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant and he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, 
brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Now, the account of the rich man occurs in three of the four Gospels, and there are different details in each one. So some of what I say will be seen in other accounts of the Gospels. But what a great start. This rich man runs up to Jesus, comes down on his knees, and asks this most amazing question, or it sounds amazing to start with, what must I do to be saved? I mean, that's like a dream on Alpha, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing. What must I do to get eternal life? I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting what he says. He says, what must I do to get eternal life? He's, he's thinking, I guess, that he can earn it. And Jesus points to the Old Testament law, and he says, well, look, it's simple. Observe it perfectly, and you will get eternal life. Now, now the man thinks he has. He genuinely does. He certainly tried to keep it. He thinks that he's good enough. Now, I, I don't know if he's deluded, proud, arrogant, or ignorant. But we know, don't we? We know from what the Bible says, no one can be perfect enough to be acceptable before God. It's, it's impossible. We all have sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. None of us, none of us can make it. But this, this young man, maybe it was youthful exuberance. He, he thought he'd done it. But he, he can't. And you might be here today and you might be looking around thinking, you know, I'm a pretty... I'm a pretty good person. And, and you may be. You, you may be a much better person than me. Many of you are. But we all need a saviour. However good your perfect is, it is not good enough. We need Jesus. And it says in verse 21, I, I love these words. They might be my most favouritest words in this passage. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Even, even maybe in his arrogance, maybe in his pride, I don't know, Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then comes the invitation, but it's like with, with a sucker punch. He says this, go and sell all you have, give to the poor, and you will have riches in heaven, and then come follow me. And it says, the Bible's very honestly, that the, the face of the young man fell. You could, I mean, mine would, wouldn't it, you? My chin would hit the floor. And it says it fell, why? Because he had great wealth. Jesus invited him. He was willing to welcome him. But it was on Jesus' terms. Now, we, we live in a society, we live in a world that says, look, if you love me, you must welcome me and accept me as I am. We, we do, and, and to be honest, many of us might even think that way. But, but with Jesus, it doesn't work that way. Although Jesus' welcome is loving, it is patient, it is non-coercive, he, he doesn't try and force the young man, but it is narrow as well. If you want to follow Jesus, it's a narrow road that you need to walk on. 
And for this young man, he was too attached to his possessions. Jesus says, you can't follow me if you're attached to all your stuff. You can't serve the idol of money and possessions and follow me. And the young man goes away because although he could have paid the price, he wasn't willing to. And Jesus says, look, what I'm talking about here is exchanging temporary earthly riches with eternal heavenly ones. We can't take it with us, but we can send it on ahead. Now, we know, don't we, that theoretically this sounds good. Theoretically, you're probably all hands in the air, or many of you, I agree with this, but it is hard. Can you imagine if you'd come up to Jesus with all that exuberant enthusiasm, and he had laid such a challenge at your feet? And then for clarity, just in case we thought we'd misunderstood what Jesus was saying, he landed one sucker punch, and then just for clarity so we don't miss it, he says the same thing again even clearer. Verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, you can imagine if I have a needle in my hand, it doesn't matter if I do or I don't, you wouldn't be able to see it anyway. Because a needle and the hole through a needle is so little. But imagine a big, smelly, spitting camel. And he's saying it's easier to get that camel. I don't know. I mean, how do you get it through? Liquidize it? And sort of drain it through or something? I don't know. How do you get a camel through the eye of a needle? People are thinking, what on earth is going through his brain that he even thought of liquidizing a camel? But anyway... Being rich is not an advantage in the kingdom of God. In this world, being rich is definitely an advantage. What was I saying? Yes, because, because wealth brings security, doesn't it? It brings comfort. It brings treats. It brings rights. It br brings access. It brings stuff. And life feels better when we're insulated by all of those things. Wealth gives us choices, but wealth doesn't help us to trust in Jesus. It doesn't. This man was possessed by his possessions, so he had no room for the welcome of God. If the young man was to follow Jesus, it all needed to be stripped away, but then he would be exposed and vulnerable then he would be reliant on Jesus' welcome. And then Peter, I love Peter because he is just so out there. He says this, we have left everything to follow you. Do you know what I mean? When he sees the young man going away, he says, oh, I'm doing better. I've left everything to follow you. And Jesus says this, truly, I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or fathers or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much. Jesus makes no attempt to disguise the cost. Jesus says, in effect, come follow me, come die. 
come follow me, and nothing is off the table if you're following him. You might be here today and you're thinking, who on earth is this Jesus? How dare he make such a demand of this young man? How dare he talk to me about my money? What right does he have? Well, if I can say with all due respect, every right. Because Jesus is God. He's not like us. He's other than us. He is God, the creator of it all, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he has every right to speak to me about my life. He does. He does. And sometimes we can just go wrong because we bring God down to our level and we think he's a human just like us. He isn't. I think this is one of the most challenging passages for our generation. I know I'm using that broadly those older and those younger. Because the reality is we are a society that loves comfort. We love stuff. And we love money. That's, that's what appeals to us. That's how we insulate ourselves from the challenges and the problems of this life. And the real reality is you don't need to be radical to come to church. You don't even need to be radical to become a member of kings. But you do if you're going to follow Jesus. You do if you're going to follow Jesus. All are welcomed by him, but not everyone is willing to pay the price. As I close this section, I said, that, I said about two-thirds of the way through, you'd be sat there going, look, where's the welcome of Jesus in this? Come on, where? Just as I finish this section... I want to ask you a question. If your passion for Jesus was only judged by what happens to your bank balance, your bank account, how well would you be doing? Does that make sense? If you take away everything else and only judge your passion for Jesus on what is coming and going from your bank account and where you're spending your money, how well would you be doing? Now, the truth is, it isn't judged just that way. But I tell you what, for that young man, it probably felt like it was. And the challenge is, Jesus wasn't asking for a tithe. He wasn't asking for 10%. As a church, we encourage you, if you call this church home, to give about 10% of your income to the church. We don't know if you do or you don't. That's totally down to you and God. But in a sense, that's how we, this, that's what makes everything happen. Your choice. But, but this rich young man, he was giving a tithe. That wasn't a problem because he was obeying the law. Jesus wanted his heart. Jesus wanted it all. We've got a gift day later. You know, maybe it's about, well, in the end, whether you're, giving regularly to church or whether you're putting money in the offering on, on this morning, I think that's secondary. I think Jesus wants to know what's going on in your heart. Where, where does he sit? And it's so easy for a Sunday by Sunday to come along and think, no, no, Jesus is top in my heart. He is until we compare him with other things and we realize actually they're quite high up in our hearts too. Jesus wants first place and he will not share your heart with anyone else. He won't. We're now going to look at the bit we read to start with on Jesus' welcome. 
to the little children because I think we're meant to hold these things in tension. We're meant to see them together because actually there are links. Mark deliberately linked these two passages together. People were bringing, it says in Mark 10 verse 13, people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant and he said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and he blessed them. It's interesting to note that his disciples didn't stop the rich young man coming to Jesus. That was all right. But he did stop the little children. They did stop the little children. And it says that Jesus was indignant. He was angry. He loved. He loved the rich young man. But he was angry with his disciples for stopping these little ones coming to him. Don't stop them, he says. Don't hinder them. In fact, the kingdom belongs to little children. The kingdom belongs to people who come like little children, who come in a childlike way way. That's who the kingdom belongs to. And this statement should really encourage us because it should encourage our faith, it should encourage our prayers when it comes to praying for our children. I love what Paul did with with the whole object lesson with the smoke and the prayers and the giving and all of that sort of stuff. Why? Because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And I wonder, I mean, to when I was preparing this, I was wondering, you know, sometimes we call what goes on here is the main meeting, and then what goes on out there as children's work, I think we might have it the wrong way round, because it says that the kingdom of God belongs to them out there, and that if we're to do as well as they are, we need to become more like them. What does that look like? What does that look like to become more like them? Well, the children, they came in weakness. The disciples were stopping them, and and they couldn't get through. They came in weakness. They came with nothing. They didn't have a whole load of possessions to give away or abilities to bring to the party. They just came as they were. They came in trust. They knew Jesus was good. They knew Jesus was good and they wanted to be around him. And they came to be blessed. They came to receive. How do you come? You may be here right now and you may be thinking, I've got nothing to offer. Jesus wouldn't accept me. You may think of yourself as little account. I guess that's what the children would have felt as they came to Jesus. You may feel like you've been overlooked all your life. Jesus welcomes you. Right here, right now. You may feel you've got such heavy burdens, he wouldn't want to put up with all of them. Jesus welcomes you. You may be thinking, I've got nothing to offer, I'm too weak. Jesus welcomes you. You may think you're too old. It's time for a different generation. No, no, Jesus welcomes you. You may be too ill. I've got too many ailments. I I can't. Jesus welcomes you. 
It's an invitation. We come like little children. We don't need to bring anything. If anything, when we've got more, it can become more of a hindrance to us coming before Jesus. When we have less, it gives us more freedom. You don't need anything to come to Jesus. You don't need to bring anything to come to Jesus. You can't do anything yourself in order to come to Jesus. But we come in trust. We can come in weakness. And we can receive a welcome from the one who died for our sins and rose again that we might have life. We can come. And it's because we can come to Jesus like that that we can welcome others. We don't want to be like the disciples that judge by external, um, uh, uh, external, pun? Yes. We don't want to be like those that judge by external appearances that we all do naturally. Looking at the heart. Jesus welcome. He welcomes us. Now, as often is the case in the Gospels, I'm just finishing up now, I think there's a couple of different things coming through. First one is this. You can come as you are right now. Just come as you are. You may feel you've got nothing to bring to the party. You may think, if I weren't here, no one would notice anyway. No, Jesus would. He would. Yes, you're gathering with us, the saints, but actually you're predominantly gathering to Jesus, the risen Saviour. But for others, there is a welcome here, but it also comes with a challenge. Are there idols in your life that you need to put down? It may, it may be money, possessions, and comfort, and I doubt very, very, very much that Jesus is asking you to give everything away. But he might be challenging you in it. It might be an area of sin where you know you are in compromise and you just have not dealt with it. You need to get that sorted. It may just be self-reliance. I've got it sorted. I do not need Jesus. This morning is a morning to get those things right with God. So if I can invite the band back up, that would be absolutely brilliant. And for the rest of us, can I ask you to stand? It's quite good, you see, when I ask you to stand, it always catches out the people who've fallen asleep. So it's quite good. If you feel comfortable to, why don't you just raise your hands? Lord Jesus, we, we come as we are. And I thank you. The promise in your word is that we receive a rich, rich welcome from you. Thank you. We don't need to be influential. We do not need to be powerful. We do not need to be strong. Lord God, we come as we are. And you welcome us, Jesus. And I pray, Holy Spirit, even now, would you come and welcome us. Would you come and fill us, Holy Spirit, right now where we are. It's where we started the prayer meeting at quarter to nine this morning. It's where we are right now. Holy Spirit, come and welcome us. Come and fill us as we are right now, particularly those who feel the most vulnerable and broken and distant from you. Lord God, I ask you they would know your rich peace invading their hearts right now. But I pray as well, Lord, for those who have much, for those of us who are rich, and that, to be quite honest, in possessions is most of us in this room. I ask you, Lord God, would we lay aside every idol? 
every sin, every hindrance that entangles us, that we might pursue you, that we might run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Even now, Holy Spirit, in your kindness and mercy, would you speak to us? Come and have your way, I pray. Come and have your way, I pray, in Jesus' name.